everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, April 29th, 2018. We kicked around the idea last week that maybe Hillary would be faking her pregnancy, and this week it looks like maybe that's the direction that we're headed in. I kind of don't mind it. I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion, but part of me thinks, okay, Hillary and Devon are a couple that I would like to see reunited, but if she were to just get pregnant and then they, in the process of raising this child together, fall back in love, it's a little bit cut and dry. I like the fact that there are some more layers in here now. Devon and Hillary's complicated relationship is getting more and more complicated and it's pulling me into their story. I also feel that even though we've seen a lot of storylines over the course of the many, many years where a woman will lie about her pregnancy. This feels like a little bit more of a twist on the traditional in that I understand Hillary's motivation. She's not just one of these characters that comes on for a short stint, like, you know, like, you know, maybe a Sheila Carter or some kind of villainous character who just comes on for a little bit, lies about a pregnancy, and is in the middle of a triangle. Hillary's not someone who we are thinking of as preventing a couple that we want to reunite to reunite. She's part of the couple that we are rooting for, or at least I am anyway. So it doesn't bother me too much to see a little bit of the the twist on this traditional. I feel that I really understand Hillary's motivation if she goes forward with lying about a pregnancy. It's very clear to me. First and most importantly, she has become alienated from Devon. After she blew up his spot with Simone, he doesn't want to have anything to do with her at all. The one moment where she had his attention last week, this past week, for even just a little bit, was the moment where she took her home pregnancy test, put it in a baggie, tossed it on his desk with a little sticky note on top of it to let him know that they're having a baby. That was the one moment where she had his undivided attention, and now all of a sudden, he's going to want to be involved with her real quick. She had, for one brief moment, a very powerful emotional bargaining chip on her hands. She was saying, oh, now you want to be involved with me, Devon. Well, maybe I don't want you to be involved with me and the baby. Maybe you can just go away, and we'll just tear up that contract that we had. She knows damn well he was never going to do that. So it gave her a little bit of power in that moment. And then it was quickly snatched away. She was really enjoying the lifestyle of being Devon's baby's mama for just a minute. She decides to embrace her power within the family. She makes this very presumptuous announcement to or tries to get Lily probably to get up under Lily and Neil's skin she makes this announcement to Devon's family that she's pregnant which was so inappropriate he didn't know that was coming it was his announcement to make and she just ran off her mouth and told everybody all about it and Devon scolded her so hard over that but she didn't care she enjoyed it she loved watching Lily and Neil's jaws drop right before her very eyes, Devon really can't do anything about it. He would be stuck with her if she was pregnant with his baby. But he did scold her and tells her, don't be telling people about this pregnancy before I have, especially not my family. Don't be telling people about this pregnancy before I'm ready to announce it. (laughs) I kind of bet 
<laughs> that now he wishes that he would have just let her share the news with the family and anybody else she wanted in private because instead, in true Hillary form, she decides to just make an impromptu public announcement on the Hillary Hour. She goes live on air so overwhelmed with emotion about her brand new pregnancy that she just blurts out to everyone, not even planned, just blurts out to the viewing public that she is pregnant. It's like the number one rule of pregnancy. You're not supposed to tell anyone about it before your first trimester because there are any number of things that can go wrong. And she broke that rule hard. She just announces it to the world, announces it to Devon's family, and then has her first doctor's appointment. She goes to her OBGYN and she's ready to be super mom, power mom. And the OBGYN runs a blood test and has to break the news to her that she's not really pregnant at all. Hillary has had a hormonal pregnancy or a chemical pregnancy where the body goes through the hormonal process of thinking that it's pregnant, but ultimately, the, um, the, the it, it wasn't a viable pregnancy, and uh, so there's there's no no baby. There's just no baby, and no hope that there would be um, this time around. Anyway, I, I felt really bad for her. I really did because I do think that Hillary has so many shortcomings as a person, and as uh, you know, like as probably a friend. And I mean, she's just she's an imperfect character, but I do think that she would be a really good mom. There's just something about the way that she carries herself and how protective that she is of the people that she loves. I do think that she would be a good mom and it was really sad to see her heart broken. And then on top of it, to now come back to reality where she's got fans sending her gifts because she made this announcement on the air. She's got baby carriages and baby toys just being flooded into the GC Buzz studios. She's got companies who are wanting to provide sponsorship for her show now with with baby products that they want her to promote. And biggest of all, this baby that she thought she had was the one thing that was connecting her to the man that she loves. And she wanted to tell him the truth. I could tell that at first she she really, really wanted to mourn with Devon. She goes up to Devon in public at the athletic club where he's having dinner with Simone. And she requests just some private time with him to discuss the baby. But Devon is rightfully so angry with Hillary and the way that she's been behaving. He And, and on top of that, he's trying to save this relationship with Simone. So he tells Hillary, no, no, no. Anything that you can say to me, you can just say right in front of Simone. And I really think that if Devon had given Hillary the time of day in that moment and just allowed her a private conversation about their child, I do think she would have told him. But then standing there looking at Simone, looking all, uh, you know, just like, "Mm -hmm, that's right, Devon's going to involve me. I'm the woman in his life. You may be carrying his child, but I'm the woman in his life. I think looking at Simone's face, looking at Devon's face, and just feeling overwhelmed in that moment, she chokes. And she decides that she can't do it. She's not She's not going to tell him. Not then, anyway. So, though, it's, uh, you know, it's clear <laughs> the path that she's going to end up going down. I mean, ultimately, her choices are... Either she comes clean immediately, and we all know that she's not going to do that, (laughs) or she is going to have to create a fake miscarriage, maybe, which would be really hard, I think, emotionally to try to go through a fake miscarriage after you kind of just had a real one. I don't see that happening. So the only trail that's left for her to walk down would be to keep up the pregnancy to fake being pregnant, to lie about it, to not tell the truth, maybe even try to actually get 
pregnant, cover up the due date, which means she could be finding herself in a position where she's trying to desperately pass off another man's baby as Devon's. Unless maybe the sperm bank still has Devon's sample. That could be it. Maybe Devon's sperm is still on file since they were planning the in vitro process. Maybe she's just going to try to do a lickety split uh, refertilization next month and then try to cover up what the due date is. But either way, it is going to lead to her undoing. Hillary is another one of these characters that just can't get out of her own way. At every twist and turn along her road, she has had choices where she could have, you know, made the choice to be honest or to be upright, and she probably could have had the life that she wanted if she had just been open and honest with Devon months and months and months ago. She could have had him. He would have been open to it, but at every Every turn along the way, Hillary is just someone who makes the wrong choice. It's like a 50-50 choice, and she goes the wrong direction. And now she's just starting down an even bigger, maybe even the biggest ever path of lies that she's ever traveled. And it is only going to lead to more heartbreak for everyone. Victor is on the mend, and he's presumably still involved with Helen, even though Jack did fire her from Jabot, but we didn't see much of her this week. So I don't know exactly what the status of Victor's relationship with Helen is, but it was certainly enough to cause Nikki to rekindle her love affair with Arturo. Although it was almost completely squashed when Nikki sees Arturo dining at the athletic club with with Abby. He ran into her yet again. They had a little bit of flirtatiousness going on between them, but it wasn't anything too overt. I didn't get the impression that they were drooling over each other. They weren't holding hands. They were maybe making goo-goo eyes a little bit, but Nikki walks in, sees the whole thing, and she immediately starts giving Arturo the cold shoulder. She is now having business meetings with him and she's only discussing business and she just immediately was so angry with him and that seemed unfair to me like I mean I don't know was it part of the arrangement that he is not allowed to see other people she's allowed to participate in an affair with Arturo but Arturo is required to stay 100% marriage faithful to her that doesn't make any sense to me and I don't get the impression furthermore that Arturo really connected the dots about Abby being her stepdaughter because Nikki makes sure to let him know that that's the case and that she didn't appreciate it. Do you guys think that Arturo really realized that? Is there something um, more sneaky going on here or was he just <laughs> being kind of a playboy? I mean, is, is Arturo a playboy or is he a potential villain? I don't know. I mean, he's he certainly wasn't like sleeping with Abby or trying to sleep with Abby. It just, it, they weren't out on a date. I, I don't know. Maybe it is suspicious to you guys. Um, I'm curious to know how you guys are feeling about Arturo this week. Um, The majority of you were really not feeling the whole vibe of Victor and Nikki's open marriage. Uh, Last week I asked you in a poll if that was a yay or a nay for you and it was a 60-40 split with 60% of you saying nay on Victor and Nikki's open relationship. Um, I'm starting to worry that we are headed in a bad guy direction for Arturo because on Friday, I think it was, Victor scheduled 
a private meeting with Arturo that Nikki knew nothing about. And Victor was saying that he doesn't trust Arturo's numbers on the whole Rainbow Gardens, New Hope, whatever project. I can't remember what they're calling it. Uh, the New Hope, I think, project. Uh, he's, Victor is finding something to be a little bit off or maybe even a little bit fishy about the numbers that Arturo is presenting. And Victor implied to Arturo directly that maybe Nikki is being blinded by him. Maybe Nikki's not fully wrapping her brain around this project because Nikki's busy wrapping her body around Arturo. Of course, Victor didn't come right out and say that, but it seemed like Arturo got the vibe that Victor had picked up on the fact that there's more going on with them. So um, do you think that in the same vein, Victor is picking up on like some cues that Arturo is indeed a bad guy or is Victor just being a jealous husband who has realized that his wife is now stooping a much younger much more appealing man than him and maybe he just wants to destroy Arturo so that he can have more of Nikki's attention for himself Paul was able to seize Victor's tablet from JT's belongings, but Victor's tablet is password protected and the GCPD can't crack it. So Paul takes it directly to Victor, asks why JT would have this, and Victor says, oh, you want to know? I'll show you why JT had it. It's because he was trying to cover up the evidence that I had that he was abusing Victoria. So, I mean, Victor didn't have a chance to tell anybody about this before his accident. So I certainly don't blame Victor for that information not getting out where it when it needed to, but Nikki really did. Nikki caught wind of the fact that Victor was having a hidden camera inside of his daughter's house. It's such a violation of her privacy, and I completely agree with that part of it. Uh, not only is it a violation of Victoria's privacy, but if Victor, instead of confronting JT, if he would have chosen to help Victoria with this information or tell anyone else this information, then maybe Victoria could have gotten help sooner and maybe Nikki wouldn't have had to kill him. I, I mean, come on, you can kind of see why Nikki would be really unhappy to know that Victor didn't bother to reveal this information before going rogue and confronting JT on his own. And she's also really hoping that those spy cameras didn't catch the ladies dragging JT's dead body down the stairs. Oh my, it is a tangled, tangled web that we weave. When Paul found out about the abuse that Victoria suffered, he goes directly to Victoria. And I really liked that conversation. I thought that Paul handled that really well. He was trying to come to her as an investigator, but also as a friend. And he was trying to understand why it was that she didn't feel like she could come to him with this information. Paul says, did, did you not feel like you could talk to me about this because JT and I were friends? I, I mean, I really understand this scenario much better than you think I would because I had an ex-wife who was being abused by someone. And Paul started talking about his ex-wife, April, who I remember I did not feel very connected to April at the time. I believe that's Heather's mother. And I just, for some reason, I don't know, April and Heather never really clicked for me. They just have never been my 
favorite characters. But I do remember now that Paul mentions it, that domestic abuse storyline. It was in 1993, which was at the time that I started watching YNR. And it was April, who was Paul's ex-wife, having become involved with a dentist. His name was Robert uh, Lynch, I think was the last name. And he was... Uh, beating April. And Paul and Christine were trying to help her. Paul and Christine were trying to get her the help that she needed, but April was refusing, refusing, and it eventually got so bad that she stabbed this guy to death with a letter opener. Very, very gruesome, very, very heart-wrenching story, an interesting reminder that we actually have seen stories of this magnitude on the show before. I had completely forgotten about this one. For me, I think the Victoria JT uh, story hit home quite a bit more directly, maybe because of my age now and maybe just because it was a main character. It didn't grab me the the way this one did back in 1993, but there you go. I mean, it was Paul letting... Victoria know and also reminding the viewers that he's bit had experience with situations like this. He and Christine tried to help someone out of a situation like this. And if anyone was going to understand being in an abusive situation and then lashing out, it would be Paul and Chris. Whether or not that would have ended up being the case, we don't know um, if Nikki and Victoria and the other women had confided in Paul. We can't say if they would have been merciful, but it's out there now that it could have been a possibility that Paul and Chris would have understood that it was self-defense and that none of this whole murder cover-up would have had to happen, but the, <laughs> there's little we can do about that now. Um, the information about JT abusing Victoria is now leaking out to pretty much everyone. I find that kind of distasteful. Victor tells Nick that JT was abusing Victoria. Nick only knew half the story before. He wanted to drag JT back to town and have him prosecuted before. What do you think he feels like now? And then it bothered me, though, that Nick turned around, told Sharon that JT was abusing Victoria. Of course, she already knew that and couldn't say. But then Sharon turns around and tells Mariah that JT was abusing Victoria. It just bothered me, I guess, that everyone now knows. This felt like something that was very private, very personal to Victoria. And I feel like the only people who should have been informed were the people that she chose to inform. She did actually end up, though, confiding in Mac about it. Mac stops by Victoria's house looking for answers. What is going on? What's all over the news about my ex-husband, the father of my children? And I thought that was a really good conversation between Mac and Victoria, where they almost kind of compared notes in a way. And I think Mackenzie was able to connect with Victoria deeply because they both really knew and wanted to love JT. They both tried so very hard to give him the benefit of the doubt and were disappointed. So I think Mac was a perfect person for Victoria to really open up to, to really talk to. And I'm sure that Mackenzie was thinking, this could have been me. This I was an inch away from this being me. I'm sure that Mackenzie also felt guilty in some way that she was not able to really effectively stop what happened from happening. But uh, Victoria was very apologetic. Uh, she was very open and very understanding in the ways that she wasn't when Mac tried to approach uh, this topic with her before. So that was a good conversation. It also really dawned on me during that visit that um, 
this whole thing with JT, the cover-up, the uh, homicide cover-up, it really is not just affecting Victoria and the people who we saw that were directly involved. It's really affecting Mac and also her children. Like, JT has been a lot of things. Uh, the women that he's dated have a lot of varying opinions on him. But we haven't really heard anybody say that he's a terrible father. I mean, Mackenzie, it's sort of odd, though, that Mackenzie was trying to take those children away from JT. But then she, when visiting Victoria, was very like, well, where, where, my, I have children who are wondering where their father is. So, I mean, I guess maybe that's a little bit of a discrepancy, but it made me think about how sad I am for the, for JT's children. They just feel abandoned now, and we'll talk about Reed in just a little bit, but there are also these little children uh, who are off screen, and I don't know if they're going to be cast or if we're going to see them at all, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's not just JT, the, um, the employee at Newman Enterprise. Is JT the abuser, JT the husband, but JT the father is folded in there too. Um, it's really a story that has taken its toll on a lot of people. Understandably, it seems to have taken a hard toll on Sharon as well. Um, you know what? Now that Nick knows JT was abusing his sister, he is adamant about bringing him to justice even more than Victor, I think. I, I can see those two maybe working together uh, on a ghost hunt looking for JT. But for Sharon, she is living with the truth about what really happened to JT, and that's one thing. But she's also straight up living with Nick. And she's having to, on a daily basis, suffer this curse of, of keeping a secret that she never wanted to keep. And it is starting to manifest itself in nightmares for Sharon. She had this night, like night of the living dead nightmare where she's in her dream going to JT's burial site and she takes a look down at the ground and it's starting to rumble and she all of a sudden just sees a hand pop up through the ground. I mean, how terrifying. It's so significant that Sharon feels like, as represented in this dream, that it, what happened with JT is unresolved, that it's buried for now, but it's not going to stay buried for long. I mean, she is so jumpy. She heard a dish crash by Mariah in the kitchen and she jumped. And then she was later at Victoria's house and she was looking at fireplace pokers and just had a flash of what happened to JT. And she's, ah! she kind of like cried out. I mean, Sharon is being tortured by this and the other women who were involved in the pack are also starting to notice. Phyllis is at the head of this. I mean, Phyllis is the head of the pack here. She is like looking at Sharon as if Sharon's starting to act squirrely. So we might have to take her out with a fireplace poker. I, by any chance, does Nikki know where there are any other holes in the ground? Maybe a little final resting spot for Sharon too. It's so hard to watch them being so hard on Sharon when I understand completely where she's coming from. If I were Sharon, I think that I would definitely consider breaking the pact. I think that I would have to come clean about what happened. I, maybe that would make me a terrible friend. I don't know, but I, I just don't think I could keep this secret. Could you? Do you think Sharon should? That's our poll question for this week. Do you think that Sharon should continue to keep this secret about Jade? death or does she need to tell someone whether it's Nick or the police or whoever should Sharon tell someone or should she continue to keep the secret go to yrchat.com if you'd like to vote in that poll get some conversation going around that um, I just feel that I understand where Sharon's coming from and I don't understand why the other women are being so completely 
cold toward the feelings that she's going through. They are being uh, wholly unforgiving about Sharon, who's who's been traumatized by this as well. Like, all Sharon has wanted to do is help other people, and no one in this situation has offered to help her. I mean, true, she is not in Victoria's position. Victoria certainly needs some help, but it's not as if Sharon wasn't right there. It's not as if she wasn't a part of this. It's not as if she's not entitled to have some feelings about it. And instead, Phyllis is threatening to send Sharon to the sanitarium if she doesn't straighten up. Get with the program. We have no patience for empathy here at Phyllis's Corpse Cover-Up Incorporated. At least Victoria was starting to get some help. At the beginning of the week, she goes back to therapy. And I thought, oh, this is so great. Even if she can't tell the whole story to her therapist, she can still talk around her feelings because Victoria more than anyone needs to find a way to heal. I think that covering up what happened to JT has just left so much unresolved. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but it was really ringing true to me early in the week that by covering up the uh, what happened with him, by covering up the fact that there was an accidental self-defense homicide, it really has done a disservice to Victoria and to Reed and to Sharon and to anybody else who's involved, to Mac and her children. It's a disservice because now not only is, is it unresolved, but it's a lie. I mean, people are going to be constantly hunting for JT, constantly wondering where he is, when he could come back. And he's really dead. It just feels so cruel. And I don't think that Victoria or Nikki or anyone did a particularly good job of helping Reed through any of this. Reed needed some counseling too. Like, Reed is going through his own version of mourning JT, even though he doesn't fully know what he's mourning. And I really would have liked to have seen Victoria step up and maybe offer to get him some counseling or something because he was just left high and dry. And the power of just having someone to talk to really could have changed the course of of Reed's direction. Instead, he just was left there with vague answers that didn't make sense to him. So he has to go looking for the answers. He only knows that his father uh, apparently attempted to murder his grandfather. It's all over the news. His father is gone with no contact to him whatsoever. So Reed got as many answers as he was going to get from Victoria. So he goes to Victor. And I wanted to like this, but I didn't. Victor refused to really answer any of Reed's questions. And then Reed proposes that, all right, how about we play a chess game? And if I win, then you could give me some answers. That really didn't sit right with me. I thought it was uncomfortable to see Reed making a genuine plea to his grandfather and for his grandfather to just say, nah, forget about it. Let's just play chess. That didn't feel right. And then the whole let's play chess for answers just seemed like it was playing games with Reed's emotions. Well, Victor does end up um, winning the match, but ends up telling Reed as much as he can, I guess as much as he feels comfortable telling Reed, um, but saying, like, it was done in a disparaging way of JT. I understand that nobody loves JT at this point. The Newmans have no reason to, but it just felt cold and cruel to then disparage Reed's father to him. That's still his father, and Reed 
should have the opportunity to just get the get some information and make a neutral judgment about him. I don't know. Like, Victor just basically told Reed that JT was spying on him, trying to hurt me and my company, and he was only with your mother to get closer to me, because it's always all about me. And Reed, understandably, flips out. What Victor has just said to him is more fuel on the fire, and then he gets in trouble for flipping out. Victoria calls to the ranch to say to Nikki that, oh no, JT's car is gone. Could the police have impounded it? You know, her par- she's paranoid that they're going to find out what really happened to JT. And Nikki says, um, okay, wait a minute, no. Reed's here out of nowhere. Reed, did you take JT's car? And Reed reveals that, yes, he did take JT's car. He was driving with no license. So Nikki just turns around and instead of sitting down and really trying to help him. Like, remember how they used to be close and they were playing music and the piano and everything? Nikki just punishes him some more, sends him down to the stables for being disrespectful to Victor and for stealing the car and driving without a license. I mean, ugh. Reed has just been done such a disservice in all of this. He goes home and asks Victoria, is what Grandpa said true? Was Dad only with you trying to rebuild our family for the sake of getting closer to information about Victor? And Victoria does confirm that, but that's even not entirely fair because I know JT had some very twisted logic, but he's but Reed's only he's only being presented one side of the situation. I just feel so bad that this is all left unresolved for this child. Um, Victoria is left in this horribly awkward position of confirming Reed's worst fears that yes, all of these horrible things about your father are true and he's probably not coming back. You, you know, I mean, Reed is here trying to hold on to some hope that he'll ever be able to have any kind of relationship with his father again because he was never a bad father to him. And Victoria is having to say, yes, sorry, you might just need to uh, bury. You might just need to bury him. Like, I mean, you just might need to not think about that ever again, which is impossible. It's just, that just made me so, so sad. Oh, it is no wonder that Reed is acting out. The next day, he decides to cut school. Okay, that's bad. But again, no slack was cut for him. It was just more punishment from Victoria. And, you know, so of course he's taking it out on Victoria. He feels like it's her fault that JT's gone, but it's he's really mostly because he doesn't have any good excuse. I mean, I don't know what I would tell the kid. I don't know what I would tell the kid. But, I mean... She did have the opportunity to tell him about the abuse. The abuse she chose not to do that, and I do respect that. But something more needed to be done. I feel like leaving him in limbo was just so unfair. And then, luckily, Reed just decides to be the solution to his own problem, and he becomes like the first kid in soap opera history to elect to just go to boarding school. <laughs> Usually the kids are a problem and the parent sends them to boarding school and Reed just says, you know what? I'm out. It's going to be better for me to get away from all of this. It was his, his idea completely. He's going to a music boarding school and he's going to be dreaming that someday in the future he's going to be playing a concert somewhere and his fa- he's going to look down and his father's going to be in the front row. Ugh! It's just so sad. I mean, I've spent all these weeks feeling so much sadness for Victoria, and now I feel like this was my moment to really feel sad for Reed, and I do feel sad for Reed, and I feel sad that the actor's gonna be leaving the show. That's a real bummer. Victoria even threw him a going away party and it served more as a hey pretend that we hate each other party for the margarita crew who's still trying to keep the secret over what happened to the poor kid's father 
Oh man, like I don't, I don't feel resolved. I don't feel resolved at all. Not with the the, mur the homicide, and and not with with Reed. I guess at least he got a party. I should be happy that at least he got that. It's more than you can say for most characters. <sighs> he got a chance to say goodbye to Maddie. Very sad. Reed and Maddie were the it couple. They were the cutest little couple for a minute. And then they just fizzled overnight. Is Mal phasing out the teens? We're, we're going to have no teen scene on the show. Usually, we would be seeing a lot of teens over the summer. I mean, we're ramping up and, and getting there. But I Reed's going to be gone. The actor's just going to be gone. Maddie has nothing going on. And Charlie has... A video to edit, but then he's probably done too. I loved that Jack made Kyle hire back everyone that he fired. <laughs> Jack said, you're going to get on the phone and you're going to call every single person that you just fired who was working at this company for who knows how many years and I'm going to make you beg <laughs> for them to come back to work for Jabot. And in the meantime, while you're at it, you can answer some other phone calls as my receptionist. <laughs> that was just great. <laughs> it really added some motivation for Kyle when it came time to get Gloria back into her job. He, he was really not feeling the whole receptionist position, so he wanted to get Gloria back into the fold so she could take over that job. I thought it was great, and I love that Gloria made them work for it. She has been a loyal soldier to Jack and to that company. She got canned out of nowhere by Jack's brat son, and so she was making them beg <laughs> to get her to come back to the company. I love just knowing that Jack has been texting her nonstop because she did say, Jack, I've been getting your text messages. I just love that he's that he was trying. I like the subtext there. And I like that she was able to negotiate herself some more money and a promotion and some more vacation time and Helen's lithograph, whatever that is. Apparently Jack gave Helen, Helen a lithograph when she signed on to the company and uh, and uh, Jack said, okay, fine, you come back and, and you can have fired Helen's lithograph. So, okay, all right, you go, Gloria. Jack and Gloria forever. <laughs> I love them. I want to see their relationship. I, I'm for it. Let that be some summer romance. Oh, I'll take Jack and Gloria over Nikki and Arturo or Abby and Arturo or anybody any day. I just think they're a fun couple. It's also really good to have Billy back at Jabot walking those halls and his good. He looks good in a suit. I just had, I was noticing this week that he does look good in a suit. The man knows how to dress. He's got a nice body. Billy was looking good this week and he has personality to boot. Um, but there was a little bit of a moment where Jack and Billy are realizing that they're kind of in this together and Kyle's kind of the enemy. Jack says, don't make too big of an enemy of Kyle. We don't want that whole vibe going on here at Jabot. But it seems to me like maybe Kyle might be trying to pull Billy over to his side. Next week, we saw a scene uh, in the next week on YNR uh, segment of the show where Kyle is trying to get Billy to work on removing the whole blood Abbott clause from the bylaws at Jabot, which I thought Jack had offered to do. So I'm kind of surprised that that would be difficult. I would imagine that Kyle could just have a conversation with Jack and say, hey, this is not in the spirit of family. But Kyle decided to go to Billy about it. And Billy, after all, is, as far as we know at this point, the, on, the only blood abbot who is interested in working at the company. So what if Billy ends up finding out this secret about Jack's paternity? There was another little moment between between Jack and Billy where they were kind of trying to establish the power dynamics of how things are going to work. Billy is the COO of the company and Jack values his input very much, but 
But <laughs> Jack was quick to remind Billy that he's the top dog. Well, it's very possible that Billy could be the one to deceit Jack. You just never know. Um, by the way, how is it that Billy and Phyllis never talked about that board vote? I was expecting there to be some discord between those two over that. She voted in support of Kyle's attempted coup of his family company. Why didn't they bring that up? And why do they keep bringing up the fact that Phyllis apparently tried to seduce Kyle? I don't really remember it that way. I remember Kyle having a crush on Phyllis, but I don't really remember her trying to seduce him. Um, but then again, I, my memory could just be vague. But the fact that they're bringing that up over and over is telling me that Phyllis is going to play a major part in whatever's going to go down at Jabot. It's probably about to get nasty, too. Pa uh, Kyle pays a visit to Victor this week to find out what his next move should be. They were planning that coup, and it didn't work out, and now Kyle's left waving in the wind. He doesn't really know what to do with himself. Victor just tells him, be patient, stay right where you are, do everything that's asked of you, play the long game. Just stay at Chabot, keep your eyes and ears open, and you can be a mole for me, and then we'll figure out what to do. But Victor gave him one specification, which was don't involve Dina. Do not disturb Dina's dignity over this whole feud. This That's a separate thing. So what does Kyle do immediately? Exactly that. He disturbs Dina's dignity. Ugh. It was so icky this week. Kyle, he, he did successfully retrieve that memory card from the fire. He tries to put it into Jack's laptop. I don't know why he didn't just use his own laptop. But he puts it into the laptop in Jack's office, tries to read it, and the file is corrupted. He's not able to get the data. But he does happen to have a genius on the payroll at Jabot who would be a whiz with helping out with this type of tech issue. Ravi finally emerges from the Jabot basement. <laughs> I was so happy to see him. Ravi is so cute. We need to bring him back. He just, I love his personality. I think there's any number of ladies we could pair him with. I am team Ravi all the way. Um, I loved that he was immediately suspicious of Kyle. Kyle was trying to butter him up into helping him retrieve the data that's on this memory card, and Ravi was not biting right away, but Kyle is very slick. He knows how to get in with someone, and he tells Ravi that he's a gamer too, and so they sort of connect over that, and Ravi agrees to help him, and of course Ravi does help him because he's a genius. He recovers the file, sends it to Kyle, and Kyle learns the truth. It's the interview where Dina is straight up talking about Jack's paternity, that John's not Jack's father. So Kyle learns the truth about Jack and about himself too. So Kyle's realizing that this information takes him out of the running, forever running Jabot. So the only thing he really has left to do is to continue to investigate. I can't help thinking that Kyle is just wanting to get as much information as he can so that he can know what his weapon is and possibly even use it to hurt Jack. He starts buttering Dina up, ugh, taking her out to dinner, pretending to be this mystery man trying to bait her into saying the name of who this guy is that's Jack's father. It's just wrong. It is just wrong. Not only is Kyle taking advantage of Dina, but he's also agitating her. He's making her condition worse by pressing her for the name of this guy. It's causing her stress and she's really upset. It bothers me. I just... Ugh. He has less to gain even by continuing along this investigation of Dina. You already know the big secret. Leave it where it is. Why do you have to continue to torture Dina while you're doing it? I hope that Kyle gets what's coming to him. I hope that Dina, thinking that he, he's the mystery man, I hope she tries to put the moves on him.
The future is yours for the taking. Unless you're Kyle, that is. <laughs> I would say the future is not Kyle's for the taking. Um, that was our quote from last week. It seemed like a positive note to end things on, considering how uh, dark things have been lately. Uh, the future is yours for the taking was a little moment between Neil when he was talking to Maddie and Charlie and trying to groom them to be the next generation at Hamilton Winters. And I just thought that was such a nice little moment. Um, a nice little positive moment coming from Neil. Quite a few of you guessed that it was indeed Neil. So congratulations, Anna, Lynn, Gina, Henry, Shakona, Liz, Ambreen, Jamie, Isabel, Laura, and Diana. You guys all got that one right, and I have a feeling you guys are going to get this one too, but I don't care. It was It's the line of the week. <laughs> I know you heard it. Lucky Soap. <laughs> I am sure probably everybody is going to guess this one, but I don't care. This was the line. <laughs> Lucky Soap. If you think you know who said it, you can go to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, then I will read your name out next week on YNR Chat. Well, I have got some comments from you guys. <laughs> Shelly says, I don't care how much sad music they play over the scene to try to make and provoke any feelings of sadness within me for Hillary finding out she's not pregnant. I don't feel bad for her. <laughs> and Laura, on the other hand, says Hillary just cannot help herself. She has to wrap everyone else up in her life. What was Devon thinking and agreeing to have a baby with her. In what universe would she all of a sudden not be impulse driven? At this point, I'm thinking he's less rational than she is. She is self-aware and knows how rash her actions can be, but can't control herself. He's delusional if he ever thought a legal contract could dictate grown-up and rational behavior. <laughs> uh, Diana Wanted to weigh in about Kyle here. Diana says, when this current storyline with Kyle is complete, YNR should have Kyle resenting Nikki for killing his mother. It fits in with his shady and sneaky personality and would be realistic as he already has feelings of resentment toward Jack for not being the best father to him. Kyle would blame Nikki for having to grow up without a mother, creating his personality flaws due to his tumultuous upbringing. It would continue to keep the drama and the suspense going as he plots his revenge. You know, Diana, I think it's kind of interesting, but I'm glad that you brought it up, that Lanar never mentions Diane. I, there's two viable main reasons why Di the word Diane should come through somebody's lips right now. It's number one, Nikki killed her. <laughs> that seems irrelevant considering the fact that Nikki just killed JT. And number two is Kyle's feelings that he was somehow gypped out of the life or the childhood or the relationships, the parental relationship that he felt he was owed. So it's kind of a missed opportunity, isn't it? That Wyanar just hasn't mentioned it at all. Aaron says, Nikki, honey, I love you, but you're kind of counting up the body count here. <laughs> You killed your dad years ago, which was justified, but then you killed Diane, which was justified since she tried to kill you with a syringe, but now you killed JT, also justified since he was beating your daughter, but you're starting to look like a murderer in Christine's eyes with all those bodies under your belt if this goes to court. <laughs> Danielle says Phyllis was kind of right about Paul and Cricket. I mean, when was the last time the police solved a crime on their own? Or when was the last time they arrested the right person? <laughs> Touche, Danielle. Um, let's see. Oh, gosh, I wrote down Dina as the person who said this, but I don't think that's right. I'll look that up in a sec. Um, I wrote down Dina just uh, saying, just watching Nikki's behavior with Arturo, anyone 
uh, would think that she swapped out the bottle for sex. I wonder if this will bring a new storyline for Nikki in conjunction with her addictions. Nikki did make a comment this week about uh, vodka tonics, and then we had that moment at the margarita party. So it's a it's a good uh, tie-in that Nikki does struggle with addictions. Maybe she did just swap out uh, vodka for sex. <laughs> um, Leslie says Nikki and Victor may have an understanding, but that doesn't mean Helen does and won't try offering someone to get what she wants. Won't try offing someone to get what she wants. How often do we hear of the lover or family member being hurt as a result of like a la fatal attraction, even if only mentally? I fear that Helen may go psycho at some point and could lead to a Rick Daros-like ending. Wow, Rick Daros, that's a deep uh, pull from the past, and I think a very interesting idea for a twist. Maybe we haven't seen the last of Helen. Maybe Helen's going to be a force to be reckoned with all on her own. Who knows? Oh, here's a comment from Anna, um, and it kind of ties in with this week's poll question. Anna says, Sharon did make an agreement with the girls not to tell anybody, so I don't think she should tell anybody. But I don't think Phyllis should be threatening her with institutionalization. Sounds kind of like something the old Phyllis would do, doesn't it? Uh, I don't think Billy would be too happy with her about that. Um, Gosh, I know Sharon did definitely make an agreement to not talk about it, but gosh, it does just feel like it was kind of made under duress, and there's at least a part of me that wants to see Sharon tell Nick about it. But yeah, Phyllis is being a little aggressive, I would say. Um, Rose says, <laughs> was Nick sleeping at the floor of Sharon's bed? He was in that bed seconds after she yelled out from the nightmare. <laughs> and he was also, uh, Rose running downstairs after Mariah dropped that plate in the kitchen. He ran downstairs shirtless, lickety split. <laughs> oh, I like this one from T. Nicole that even in Sharon's guilt, she still manages to look so good in her bright pink sleepwear. <laughs> Well, hey, if you've got a sexy, rich man staying with you at your house who you're in love with, I think you have to be prepared at all times with sexy sleepwear. It's the same way the women on the show always have to be prepared to have on their very best bra and panty matching sets just in case any of the guys want to rip it off of you (laughs) at any impromptu time. Oh, gosh. I got a lot of comments and messages about that scene between Nick and Victor this week. Lots of people said that they were really touched by that. And Beatrice left me a voicemail that completely like made me cry. I absolutely was crying as I was listening because Beatrice was touched by that conversation and she connected it into a conversation that she had uh, with her own father before he passed away and I was just so honored to hear your story Beatrice and I'm so um, just honored to be the you know someone who could listen to that story and that scene was very very powerful it was also probably very long overdue Um, Nick and Victor just sitting down and talking and Victor letting Nick know that he heard everything that Nick said while he was in that coma and it also helped give him the strength to carry on. It just gave a little bit of hope. It gave a little bit of healing and I can definitely see Victor and Nick deciding to move forward working together. Like at this point it's hard to even remember sometimes what it is that people are arguing about. Victor's done so many terrible things over the years. It's like okay what is Nick currently mad at him about? I am ready and was ready to watch them bury the hatchet a little bit. I'm thinking that maybe Nick and Victor are going to start working together. If it's not necessarily about JT, then I wonder if it might somehow be about Arturo. But anyway, thank you for your uh, voicemail, Beatrice. And I got a really nice voicemail also from Marion, wanting to let me know that uh, she is just watching YNR chat just to get recaps of the episodes. And I think that was really cool. It was a nice voicemail. I love hearing from you guys so much. It's just like, I don't know. I'm glad that you feel confident and comfortable um, talking to me about YNR because it's not just 
the show. A lot of times things come up that it's very personal. A lot of times I think a storyline can pinch a nerve and I certainly have displayed that within the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad to know that you guys have a place where you can um, talk about that as well. Oh, well, Lisa wanted to say, you know, the one cheery thing we can focus on in a lot of the darkness around these stories is our cheery spring fashions. There were some great outfits this week. I just love, love, love keeping an eye on those beautiful, beautiful dresses. Um, But Lisa also wanted to say that she thinks Victoria could have a nervous breakdown. Victoria is just dealing with too much. She could be going to Fairview. You know, that's a good point, and it's a good tie-in with the fact that she's continued to get therapy. Very possible. Shakona says Victoria's privacy is being invaded in every corner. I hate that everyone is gossiping about her like she's some pitiful, helpless little victim. If people really cared, they would be more considerate by respecting her wishes on sharing such delicate information. The least they could do is respect her sense of pride. Agreed. Astra says, did anyone catch this on Thursday's show when Phyllis was talking to Victoria about spilling the beans to Nick? Um, And she said something like, cry on Big Brother's shoulder. Victoria's older than Nick. Did the writers forget that? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, um, I didn't notice that, but I thought I'd toss that out there in case anybody else did. Um, I like this theory from Daisy. Daisy says, I can see Victoria getting blamed for JT's disappearance. Victoria was the last one to see him. She told people she had fought back during some of their arguments, and no one has heard from JT, including Mac and Reed, and he also left most of his things at Victoria's. All suspicions that could point Paul in Victoria's direction. And if that happened, I know Nikki would confess to save her daughter, but I wonder, would Victor frames someone to save Nikki, perhaps Arturo. Or Sharon could fess up and they're all jailed. Paul goes to exhume the body, but it's gone. That would be the best twist. I hope that happens. Man, me too. I like the idea of the body being gone. Tony also uh, says, I have two comments this week. I don't like it when Nick cuts his hair, and I think JT is alive. When they go to plant the vegetables, they'll dig it up and there'll be no body. (laughs) Um, I kind of liked Nick's haircut. I noticed it right away, and I thought, okay, that's good. Because sometimes he gets a little unruly, especially with that beard. But I thought it was an okay haircut. Maybe you guys didn't like it. Uh, but, But specifically, I do like this idea that maybe the truth can come out about everything that had happened, but then when they go to to find where JT's remains are, it's not there. That is a twist that I never would have saw coming. I never would have thought of that. Um, it could be, I mean, I don't know, that, I don't know if JT would be alive, because how would he um, get up out of there? I mean, I don't know that you could survive being buried alive, could you? I'm not sure. Um, I think it might be possibly be more likely that Victor and or Nick might find out about it and have the body moved. I liked that Nikki and Victoria talked a little bit this week about why not to tell Victor because you know he would use it against you or try to get involved and it would not be good to have Victor of all people involved. But he could be very helpful if push comes to shove. If Sharon lets the truth out, it gets out to Paul. Paul goes to investigate and maybe Victor or Nick has already taken care of it move the body that's just so it's all so dark so terrible um darn it I think crap I wrote down names wrong this week shoot I think this was superplex though but I'm not sure I'm gonna read this one uh I imagine the easiest way to deflect Nick's attention away from his crusade to bring justice to his father would be if he caught sight of Arturo once more in the comfortable bosom of his mother he is just itching to land a solid right hook to the chin of that man and I'm pretty sure he regards him as a sugar mama hunt in gigolo <laughs> the new hope project be damned. Um, yes, I do kind of wonder if we're headed in, uh, now, especially now that Nick and Victor have made up, I wonder if they will team up to save Nikki or who knows Abby from Arturo. I'm certain that comment was, um, was superplex, but I'm going to look into that other one here. Um, here's
here's a comment from Ellen saying, I'm sorry to see Reed go. I enjoyed his character and I thought we were going to get to see some teen storylines for younger viewers. I guess the actress who plays Maddie has had some health problems. Maybe that changed things. I don't understand the writers. They did so well with Reed's reaction to JT's disappearance and so poorly with Nick. Reed knows his father is accused of trying to kill his grandfather. He still says that he wants to hear his father's side of the story and says that he loves his father. He desperately wants to see him and is leaving him messages. He wants to leave GC and go somewhere where his father is not hated. This all makes sense. And yet all Nick can say is if JT ever returns to this town, I'll kill him. Really? So the answer to violence is more violence? This is such lazy writing. Of course what JT did was terrible, but the answer isn't murder. JT is still a human being. He's still the father of three children. He's still a person who has done good things in his life. We already see how torn up Victoria is over what happened. Come on. I wonder if uh, I wonder how long this story is going to drag on. They seem to be letting Paul maintain a few brain cells. Maybe he'll discover the body. Victor will plant evidence to make it look like someone sketchy did it, and we can move on. Please just don't let Victor frame Arturo. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um... Gary says, did we even get a casting notice about Reed? I was waiting for him to say that he was going to be living over at Billy's. I can't believe they're getting rid of him without really developing him. Um, Gary also mentioned, by the way, that the actor who plays Reed is nominated for an Emmy right now for Outstanding Younger Actor. It's a little bit puzzling that they would have this young actor who did such a great job. As Ellen said, they did a great job of writing and developing around his character and then he's just kind of being ushered off the canvas um I don't know that makes me hope that he wins the Emmy uh Mary Ann had uh sent me a, a message and I think Daisy had mentioned this to me too about the daytime Emmys they're uh they're coming up today um I wrote it down let's see so we've got a red carpet stream from 2 to 4 30 pacific time and then the actual ceremony is 5 to 8 p.m pacific time and it looks like they're going to be streaming it at emmy on live or sorry emmy online.tv and also they're doing a facebook live uh, and a twitter live so if you guys have a chance tonight go tune in to see that I know I'm going to be pulling for for Young Reed to get his Emmy, darn it. It was Gina. Gina's had that comment about uh, Nikki's addiction storylines. It, it makes sense, though. I wrote Dina, but it was Gina. So I was really only one letter off. So I'm going to give myself some forgiveness for that. <laughs> oh, it's been a long week. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to end it there. But I'm opening up to the floor to you guys. YRChat.com to get your comments in. Chat about the show vote in the poll, all that good stuff. Uh, it is my pleasure to come here week after week and chat with you guys about the show. And I will be back next Sunday. We'll have to talk about uh, the winners of, of the Emmy then. I'll make sure to uh, give you guys the updates on who won. Maybe we'll even get to see some best and worst dressed fashions. I'll keep an eye out for that tonight. <laughs> okay, everybody have a wonderful week. I love you and I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.